0: Hi, welcome to the Live Your Why podcast. This is Tammy Hill, and I'm so glad you're here today. I have two of my friends, Dr. Dave Dollaheit and Dr. Lauren Marks, who are joining me to talk a little bit about religion, faith, marriage, and family. So let's get started. All right, Dave and Lauren, welcome. I'm so grateful that you would come.
1: Great to be with you. Thanks for having us, Tammy.
0: Yeah, my pleasure. I get to work with these two a little bit at BYU, and I know they're wonderful men, amazing teachers, and they've also written several books together about faith and families. Um, American Families of Faith Project is your big thing. What Tell us a little bit about that, and then let let us know a little bit about each of you.
1: Well, in terms of telling you how we got started together with religious faith and marital relationships— we began way back, boy, 1994, 1995 or so, doing interviews with fathers of children that had special needs. Hmm. What we were fascinated to find out uh, was, you know, how they how they found the strength to stay involved and stay committed in, in a really difficult uh, context, and a disproportionate number of the men that we interviewed. Kept coming back again to faith over and over again, and that uh, that led us to to want to explore uh, faith in a in a broader way uh, and how it strengthens marriages and
0: families. Hmm. That is fascinating. I didn't know that.
1: And that was a um,
2: very excellent interview or introduction to uh, sort of the American Families of Faith research project. But for me personally, my interest in Uh, religious faith and marriage relationships goes way, way, way back to uh, growing up in a home where religious faith was not practiced. My parents were not particularly religious. And then when I joined the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints uh, as a late teenager, when I was 19, I saw lots of couples who brought faith into their life. And uh, then on my LDS mission saw Uh, many families from various faith backgrounds, uh, got a chance to spend time in the homes of wonderful people from from many different faith backgrounds. And I was able to see that those couples who really took their faith seriously, um, their their religious beliefs and their their spiritual practices really tended to help them in their marriage, help them to have uh, kind of a strong, solid base on which to build a marriage. So for me, it went way back. And I was just so grateful that that as Lauren and I did these interviews that he mentioned with uh, fathers of kids with special needs uh, even though we didn't ask about it as a specific question it came up so frequently and we began publishing you know what what our participants told us and a lot of it was about how their faith helped them to work with situations that were tough in their families and and that is, it's just been a great opportunity for the last couple of decades for us to be able to to do our professional uh, research on how religion helps couples and families. It's just, it's been a wonderful journey.
0: Hmm. I think it's a wonderful journey. And I know from my own life experience, it has been faith. It has been grounding for me as I've struggled along with different challenges. So as you know, I am a woman, I'm a therapist, and um, I teach some classes over at BYU, And one of the things I really try to promote is the idea that you know why you're here, you understand, get to know why you're here, and understand what it is you want to become in this life. And I believe that as individuals become grounded in what it is they're really about and then choose to live aligned to what it is they say they believe, there's a lot more peace and happiness in their lives and satisfaction. So I guess my question is, what has your research been mostly on marriages and families? What have you found out about individuals and their individual faith process?
2: That's a great question, Tammy. And I totally concur with you that um, in my own life and my own observations as a therapist, as a family life coach, uh, I've certainly seen that individuals who are grounded in their faith and take their faith seriously uh, do better in a number of ways. And there's a lot of empirical research. Uh, that has um, done studies about the correlations between religious beliefs and practices and a, a wide range of um, outcomes, positive and negative outcomes. And yeah, in general, faith uh, has makes a big difference. Our American Families of Faith project does tend to focus more on couple relationships and, mm-hmm. and family relationships and parenting. So, but Lauren's doctoral dissertation did some work that looked more at individual things. So, I'll let him share some of the findings that he's that he's done, and then uh, in your maybe your next question when you ask us more about couple relationships, then I'll
1: I'll maybe summarize
0: some of the things that we've learned. Perfect. That's perfect.
1: Sure. So, uh, Tammy, I'll just. I'll share a few things that, that other researchers have found and uh, then share some things that Dave and I have found with the uh, the 200 families or or more that we've interviewed ourselves. In a in a quick view, as you know, in uh, in family studies and in, in human development, we like to look at the biological, the psychological and the social, kind of three different dimensions of life and Uh, In terms of how faith can impact life, I'll I'll go through the biopsychosocial in reverse really quick. With uh, the social dimension, among many others, there's a husband and wife team, Robert Taylor and Linda Chatters at the University of Michigan, who have looked at the social dimension of religion a lot and have found that folks who are involved in faith communities have both a, a much larger social network than those that don't. And it also tends to be a, a deeper social network in terms of the quality. And so there's some, some individual benefits that come through the social dimension of being actively involved in a faith community. Mm. In terms of the psychological dimension, a religion and health and mental health scholar, Harold Koenig, has has taken about 25 years to, to review the hundreds and at this point, even thousands of physical and mental health studies that have been done and about 80 percent of the studies that have been done on on mental health, on the psychological domain with religion, indicate a small to, to moderate increase in, in some folks that, uh, that have an authentic faith tend to, to be a little bit more healthy uh, in mental ways. They have a, a sense of, of purpose of meaning, of well-being that seems to translate into better mental health. On the biological side, to to finish up with some work of others, one of the most striking studies that that I've ever seen of any kind was done by Hummer and colleagues a while back. And in short, what he found, uh, he and his team found, was that those that attend worship services once or more a week Live almost eight years longer than mm. those that never attend worship services, and particularly among the Black community, that figure almost doubles to uh, to about fourteen years of additional longevity, uh, which is is really striking and remarkable. So, going full circle back to your question, how does faith bless individuals? The answer, I think, is multifaceted. It blesses physical health. Uh, There are correlates there, mental health, social health. But for for Dave and I, for the the families that we've interviewed, what's most fascinating is not just these, these apparent benefits, but what they tell us about the whys and the meanings that take place behind the scenes. And these include individuals telling us it's not just about a religion. It's about a a relationship, a sense of of connection with the divine, about a God who cares individually about the individual woman or man who cares about their marriage, who cares about their parent-child relationships where they feel a lot of closeness. And uh, we're really looking forward to sharing with you a little bit more about uh, those relational aspects as well as the individual.
0: hmm Wow, that is amazing. They live so much longer and yeah, that that's not just that they belong to a church or some type of faith, but that they have a relationship with deity. That's beautiful. What beautiful statistics and research that has been discovered. So let's move then to couples. Um, how can couple relationships be strengthened by faith, particularly for young couples who are starting out? Maybe there could be some spiritual rituals that they could do together that could bless their marriages.
2: Yeah, that's a great question, and and that is what we have kind of focused on. And You know, modern ideas about marriage tend to put a ton of pressure on the marital relationship and on the spouse to meet people's deepest emotional Mm -hmm. and spiritual needs. And so those expectations that we place um, on marriage kind of load up a lot of of extra weight on our spouse and on our marriage, and and there's just no possibility that any other human being, no matter how wonderful they are, can meet all of our deepest needs. Mm -hmm. And those people who maintain a a relationship with God, who are able to have their deepest emotional and spiritual needs met through faith and prayer and and other spiritual practices, and, and who are able to feel the love of God and to feel um, comforted by God and forgiven by God and and feel a deep sense of self-worth that comes uh, from God and all the other kinds of personal blessings and and strengths and comforts that come when someone uh, is in a relationship with God, then that person is not as needy they're less likely to uh you know sort of expect or demand that their spouse or their marriage uh, sort of fills all their emotional and spiritual buckets so to speak mm-hmm. and so that allows the marriage to to have much less burden much less unrealistic expectations on it and so f- from my perspective and that's not necessarily something that that we asked a question about or or, or that i don't even know if there's been specific studies that have tried to address that particular issue. But I would summarize our interviews with now about 300 couples across America from many faith backgrounds and, and in some cases, no faith uh, and, and my own observation, my own experience, my own marriage and say that that's probably the core thing is that when a person feels a sense of peace and worth And security and forgiveness and wholeness that can only come from God, then uh, they're able to bring more of a healthy person to their marriage, and then they're more likely to not either implicitly or explicitly expect their spouse to meet those
1: kinds of needs. Oh, wow.
0: As you know, this is the Live Your Why podcast, and I really believe that if you know your why and you're living your why, you're going to just be happier all around, and what you're saying holds true to that very fact. Do you have ideas? I I think a lot of my listeners are fairly young couples, and what are some ways that newlyweds can start integrating some spiritual rituals in their marriages?
1: Thanks for asking, uh, Tammy. One of the things that that Dave and I have learned from the the hundreds of families that we've interviewed is that it's really important to balance firmness on one side with flexibility on the other. Mm -hmm. Uh, Many of us have things that we love that were done in our our own families of origin, and there's also things that we want to make sure we don't Mm -hmm. transport into our own marriage. And and it takes some navigation and negotiation early on. I think to figure out uh, what what will each partner be bringing to the relationship, and and what do you want to adapt, what do you want to change. I, I would say that uh, on a very personal level, and uh, this is this is something that that Bill Doherty has talked about too, is is the importance of couple rituals both both religious rituals and more prosaic rituals for me and uh, my my wife Sandra we've been married for almost 26 years one of the the daily rituals that's really helpful to us on a spiritual note is holding hands at the end of the day and having a couple prayer and there's something wonderful about hearing your partner that person you love more than anything else asking god to bless you as, as their partner with the tough day that you have in front of you tomorrow um, to ask, you know, to hear them asking you to lift you and strengthen you there. There's very little in my life that brings me more, more strength and comfort than that. But mm-hmm. on, on, on a more prosaic note, we, we don't make it every day. Uh, weather gets in the way. Sometimes schedule gets in the way sometimes, but I think more days than not, we get to go for a walk together outside, just the two of us. And that's a wonderful time to do some marital diagnostics. Uh, hey, how are you doing in different ways? I know that you and Jeff do do something very similar. And you know, I, I think of one friend I heard a long time ago saying that uh, that love and marriage is a lot like shaving. Doesn't matter how well you did it yesterday. You got to get up tomorrow and do it all mm-hmm. over again. Yeah. And that, that that daily walk is uh, is something that's been really helpful mm-hmm. for Sandra and and for me in our marriage.
0: Mm-hmm. I know that Jeff and I do weekly check ins while we walk, and that sure helps us as well to kind of know where where we both are in different aspects of our lives. So, what happens if one partner? Dave, I know you're a therapist. What happens if one partner is really firm and not really flexible? What, how do you navigate that?
2: Yeah, actually, um, I'm a recovering therapist. I, 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 did do a, <laughs> I did do a lot of therapy uh, earlier in my career. I'm currently just a, a coach, a family life coach. Oh. I, I, I only work with one or two clients. At a time, uh, my my, you know, my my tagline for my coaching practice is helping good men become great husbands and fathers. So mm. I, I work with with men and, and try to help them, uh, you know, in their in their um, marriage and family relationships. But yeah, your question, uh, Tammy, is a good one about what if one person and it's it's almost always the case that married couples have differences in their degrees of uh you know orthodoxy or or firmness or how much they desire to to live out religious rituals and and uh you know in some ways every marriage is an interfaith marriage even if you're from mm. the same religious you know mm. denomination because of family upbringing, because of personality, because of experiences, because of preferences, choices, schedules, all kinds of factors play into this. But the chances of both people always wanting the same amount of religious involvement or or religious ritual in the home, uh, the chances of that being the case throughout a long marriage is pretty slim. And so I think almost all couples have to do the, the process of negotiating with each other, uh, you know, as you've both said, checking in with each other, you know, how you doing being intentional, uh, Bill Doherty, who Lauren referred to earlier, uh, a great family therapist, and and he was on my doctoral committee at university of Minnesota. uh, He wrote a book called the intentional family Mm -hmm. and, and Bill's ideas are pretty powerful that, that if we want to have a joyful, you know, growing marriage, then we need to be intentional about talking with each other, and you know, having couple uh, walks or couple councils, you know, couple conversations on a regular basis. You know, an important thing is not to wait until there's some big issue, some huge tension, some big conflict before you have you know a real meaningful conversation. And the, the busyness of life can lead a lot of couples to. Just trying to hang on with their jobs and their their kids and their you know their their lives and and they let things kind of slip and slide in their marriage and then their conversations are are conflicted and and uh, you know high tension and then that can lead people to not want to have those you know not want to talk much because it just seems like what, you know when we talk there's problems so so couples who find ways to on a regular basis. Not necessarily every day, not necessarily so often that it becomes, you know, problematic, because you want to talk about all kinds of things, not just our relationship. And, mm-hmm. and some people, when they mean talk about the relationship, they mean let's solve our problems. Let you know, let, let's kind of go deep and and get into challenging stuff. And, and other people, you know, might want to keep it more more positive, more preventive. So anyway, just working together to figure out how to do a faith life. In the marriage, and then when, if and when kids come along, how to do the faith life in different stages of family life? Because obviously, with young kids, you know, older kids, adolescents, mm-hmm. obviously there are all kinds of issues that that make it that flexibility is really important. So I think a profound commitment to the marriage and to the well-being of the other person can make it more likely that people are going to you know work through those kinds of differences and in desires to be across a range of issues, including religious kinds of issues.
0: Yeah, I think being committed to the relationship and spiritually grounded is so essential. When Jeff and I first married and were blending our family, Sundays were the worst day of the week. I hated Sundays. The way that Jeff and Juanita had done Sunday with their family of creation was a beautiful way, but it was completely different than the way my late husband, Mark, and I had done Sundays with our family of creation and bringing all these kids together with these different ideas. And it was tough, tough, tough. And I um, I know that we decided that the Mulfords could choose how they decided to observe the Sabbath day and the Hills could decide how they decided <laughs> wanted to observe the Sabbath day. And that's the way we got through that big struggle. It was, it was really hard though. So h- have you read or done specific research on the benefit of praying together as a spouse or for your spouse praying for you, is there any research that talks about the benefits of praying as a couple?
1: Grateful that you asked that question. A dear friend of ours, Joe Shaludari from India did PhD work uh, with us here at BYU. Wonderful researcher, and and went through carefully and looked at interviews from a variety of faiths, and looked not only at couple prayer, but at family family level prayer, and uh, noted, you know, in a nutshell, more benefits than we probably have time to list on this podcast, Hmm. uh, including strengths involving rituals, communication, uh, relational closeness. Uh, There there are multiple benefits that Joe noted. If if I work quickly, I, I can tell you without going into depth and detail, here are some. Family prayer is a time of togetherness, family togetherness and interaction. Family prayer is a space for social support. Family prayer is a means for intergenerational transmission of religion, which is a fancy way of saying conveying the faith of the mothers and fathers to the children in a healthy way. Another is that family prayer involves issues and concerns of individuals in the family. It's it's a forum to let others know what you're struggling with. What's what's going well? What isn't? Uh, where do you need help? Uh, family prayer helps reduce relational tensions um, by getting you all in the same room and, and reaching out together in love. Uh, family prayer provides feelings of connectedness, unity, bonding. And that uh, the seventh of seven major strengths that we found was that families struggle to pray together. When there is disunity, this is not necessarily a strength, but it shows that a failure to pray can be a a barometer. Uh, It can be an indicator that there are some significant problems, um, you know, that serve as wedges to prevent that. And each of these these, uh, ideas that we shared with you just now at the family level operates at the couple level as well as the family level.
0: I was going to say, so if you're not feeling like praying, it's probably really good to do it.
1: Yes, that,
2: that, that's well said. Right? It, it's it's probably an indication that that uh, the relationship could use some help from above. And, and what what marriage mm-hmm. and what family mm-hmm. doesn't uh, sometimes and in, in reality all the time need need help from from our heavenly Father and. Uh, Lauren mentioned our, our studies right. and um, one of our colleagues, Frank Fincham, a psychologist, who's done a, a lot, I mean, literally hundreds of, of published studies on on uh, relationships. He's uh, in the last several years done a number of very interesting studies on on couple prayer. And he's found that doing some very interesting methodologies, um, asking, you know, sort of quasi experimental methodologies, uh, having a sample of people and asking half of that sample to pray for each other in a, in a couple relationship and the other half to just pray for, you know, just their regular prayers. And studies found that those in those couples in which one or both, you know, preferably both, but at least one of the um, members of that couple are praying regularly, not, not, you know, occasionally, but on a daily basis uh, for their partner and you know praying to be grateful and and to, and to be kind to their partner those sorts of things the studies find that that really helps increase the relationship so so prayer you know it's one of those things that it's so deep Personal, it's so varied across individuals, and, and people might think it'd be awfully difficult to do any kind of meaningful social science research. But Frank and his, his lab um, have done some uh, enough studies now and documented along with other folks that have studied prayer as well, that you know, prayer actually works. It's not to say that that the, the, these research studies don't prove that there's a God or prove that God answers prayers. But it definitely demonstrates that when people pray, they feel
1: different. When they pray for their relationship, their relationship improves. Tammy, on that note, sorry sorry to jump in, but another friend and colleague of ours, uh, Antonia Skipper, who affectionately goes by Skip most of the time, has done some some really nice work with, uh, with Black married couples within the American Families of Faith data set on intercessory prayer, as Dave was saying, where a wife is praying for a husband. A husband is praying for a wife. And it's interesting that uh, the the focus of his research is on the way that the individual's heart changes as they pray for their spouse. Uh, Many times, unless the prayers are being said together, the spouse may not even know the degree or how often the frequency with which uh, their wife or husband is praying for them but that spouse who's praying in love to the divine asking uh, for his blessing on their their spouse recurringly report that there's changes in their own heart that they they have a desire to act in a way that'll bless their wife or husband themselves that they want to be more sensitive uh, that they want to be a, a better spouse to them, and so I think that you could make an argument that a that a beginning of a miracle takes place right there. And circling back to the couple prayer, if you hear, in, in addition to say, but hear those kinds of words from a loving partner, uh, I think that that wonderful things result. Uh, and our couple seem to indicate that as well that we've interviewed. Hmm.
0: That's so beautiful. I love all the positive benefits of praying together. And in my own experience, especially with our large blended family, it seemed like around the four-year mark that we really had a nice shift. And we started kind of—some of the kids had moved out. That obviously made it a little easier. But I recognized that they started to really include each other in our family prayers. And that was one of the things I— I recognize the softening of hearts as they prayed for each other, you know, as my children prayed for Jeff's children and vice versa. It really did make a difference in our family. Okay, well, we're getting a little close on time, and I could talk to you guys all day, but I'm curious, you know, this is the Live Your Why podcast And I would like to know from each of you, what is your why? What do you live for?
1: Well, Tammy, I will say that both personally and professionally, uh, spiritually and relationally, that there there are a number of reasons to live. And in some ways, it changes from moment to moment. Viktor Frankl says in Man's Search for Meaning that life is constantly asking us the question that you mentioned, why? And so in some ways, my why from eight o'clock till nine thirty in the morning might be to try to, to have a wonderful family relationships related discussion with BYU undergraduates. But at, at one o'clock in the afternoon, it might be to, to lift up a young woman that I'm meeting with in my office who's struggling with some profound challenges in her life. And that evening, it may be to, to read the best bedtime story uh, to, <laughs> to uh, a young child, etc. cetera. So I think that for me, it's kind of hard to give one global way except to, to fill, fill the, the mission and the purpose that I feel that God has for, uh, for me from moment to moment, most importantly, however, as a husband and as a father. And if I can kind of compress that into one sentence, uh, I would tell you that, and you you work very hard as a therapist. You work very hard as a, a university professor instructor that for me, since we get to, to educate on this sacred topic of marriage and family, that in this uh, flawed, contention, uh, contentious, uh, fallen world that we live in, that there's, there's nothing more beautiful and inspiring than an imperfect woman and an imperfect man making and keeping a sacred covenant to do their best to honor each other and their creator through a godly marriage. And that why I think... If, if we look at all those things that, that I mentioned earlier, whether it's in the classroom uh, with a child, with a grandchild, with, with a friend, uh, with your own spouse, with your own kids, that doing our best, trying to do my best as an imperfect person to perfectly keep sacred promises that I've made to God and to my family is as big of a why as I can give in you know, a paragraph.
0: Wow. Thank you. I, Lauren, I, I've never thought of it the way you talked about it. Like at this hour of the day, my why is this, and this hour of the day, it's that. But that makes me want to try a little harder to be intentional every hour. So that's beautiful. How about you, Dave?
2: So, Tammy, I would love to hear you just say a little bit more about what you mean by live your why. I, I don't, Uh, fully understand what that means. So if you'll say a little bit more about what that means to you, Mm -hmm. then that might help me to give a... a probably a more meaningful answer.
0: Yeah, great. So I think of the why if you look at a bullseye and right in the middle is, you know, that's where you get the most points when you play darts, but it's like that's what the meat and the bulk of what it is I'm choosing to live for. That's the heart of my life and what I I hope my heart is beating to utilize my time here in mortality in doing those things. So at the heart of the bullseye for me is one that I want to live as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And I want to influence positively as many people as I can on this earth. And I want to bring as many people home to heaven as I possibly can And two, is I'm really passionate about marriage, and I believe that I hope that what I'm teaching and what I'm doing even here on this podcast and all the time I'm spending, that it will bless lives so that people can have courage to stay married, courage to be intentional in their marriages, and claim joy in their relationships as husband and wife. That's pretty much my why.
2: Thank you. That, that's very helpful. Yeah, uh, it's a great question. It's a powerful question. It, it, I think it's, um, I, I'm delighted that you're inviting your listeners to to think about their lives and their, their beings with that level of, of focus and intentionality. Yeah, I, I think for me, since I first came to know the Father and the Son through uh, reading the Book of Mormon and and uh, in prayer, where I first felt the power of the Spirit, uh, for me, my why is wrapped up in understanding the will of God and striving to um, to live that. You know, we can talk about that in various ways: being a disciple of Christ, being a, a faithful Latter Day Saint, being a a husband and father who keeps. Covenants, uh, sacred covenants that I've made with God and and with my wife in in a holy temple. Sort of professionally, my why centers around the the promise that the the Lord made to Abraham in Genesis, that in him and his seed, all uh, the families of the earth would be blessed. And and for me, that that passage uh, is kind of a mission statement that I strive to um, to do research and teaching and outreach and and you know our work in the American families of faith project with our our podcast we now have a number of podcasts we have a, a series of of um, of articles in the uh, an online magazine called public square where we're trying to bless families of the earth with information about how specifics not just the general idea that that religion can help families but what are the specific kinds of practices what are the we like to use the word processes and and you know and uh, why so we actually use that same word of why you know Mm -hmm. why is it why is it that prayer seems to matter why is it that that having regular Religious and spiritual practices that a couple and/or a family does together. Why does that make a difference in in, in personal and, and relational life? Uh, and so, so my 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 core why in my profession is try to be a blessing to not just a few families, but all the families of the earth. And that's always there's no way that, that our work you know will ever touch all the families of the earth, but we do try to be broad-minded by interviewing people from many faith backgrounds, from many ethnic and uh, cultural backgrounds. Uh, About a fifth of the people we've interviewed are first-generation immigrants to the U.S. About half of those that we interviewed are from various ethnic minority communities, and we've interviewed folks from about uh, more than 25 denominations of of the three major Abrahamic faiths of Christianity, uh, Judaism, and Islam. And so, you know, we've we've tried to open ourselves up to faith as it's practiced across many different kinds of perspectives and, and cultural and ethnic backgrounds in order for us to be able to then hopefully be a blessing to people from many different kinds of backgrounds and, and hopefully help strengthen their marriages and
0: families. Mm, that's so important to be so inclusive that way. And I imagine that you are very well-blessing most of the families on the earth right now so I wasn't aware that you have created a podcast tell us about that
2: yeah so Lauren and I started uh actually on the last day of of 2020 that uh that year of years when when mm-hmm. we all struggle with COVID and all the shutdowns and all the challenges and changes we we did our first podcast we've now We've got 11 podcasts uh, available under the American Families of Faith. Uh, it's on, you know, I'd I like to be able to say wherever you get your podcasts. You know, I'm, I'm not sure that that's an accurate statement because people probably get their podcasts from a lot of things, but, but we, I think we have about 10 different platforms that our podcasts are, are on. We have a YouTube channel, uh, American Families of Faith, YouTube channel. We have um, a Facebook page with, you know, American Families of Faith podcast on it. So basically they're available to whoever, you know, whoever would be interested. And we uh, continue to do those in those podcasts. We talk about uh, like we're doing here with you, what we've learned from from our um, participants are those that we interviewed have have been incredibly generous in sharing. Usually, two or three hours of their time with us. They've invited this us into their homes. Uh, these are folks from across the country, um, wonderful people of faith, and we love to. In most of these, well, I think all these podcasts, we share. Uh, direct quotes from those we've interviewed. So we like to have their voices be heard. And and so it, it, it's an effort to try to let people know what people from many faith backgrounds are doing in order to to strengthen their marriage and families uh, through their religious beliefs and spiritual practices and faith communities.
0: Oh, wow. I'm going to make sure to listen in to that. So... I want to thank both of you for taking time today to be with me and let my listeners know again, this is Dr. Dave Dalahite and Dr. Lauren Marks, both at Brigham Young University in the School of Family Life. Thank you so much for joining us.
2: Great to be with you, Tammy. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Tammy.
0: You're welcome. So to my listeners... I hope that some of the information we talked about today on how faith and religious practices and rituals can bless not only you as an individual, but can really strengthen your relationships. I was excited to learn more about praying specifically for your partner and how that can strengthen your marriage relationship. So thank you for tuning in today. Go out and live your why.